And I'm thankful that God speaks to us. Are y'all enjoying our time together the last few weeks? Amen. Um, I sense that God is doing some new things and and I just sense his presence and I'm thankful this morning for that. Well, we've been in this series called Full. We're going to stay in it this week and next week. I hope these are not just sermons. I hope that you are literally applying these words to your life. Um, and so we're going to go right back to where we, we've been because, uh, as I told you, uh, I discovered that only one out of ten believers say that they feel compelled by their faith to love God and to love others. That's ridiculous. Uh, let me tell you how I really feel. That's ridiculous, all right, that only one out of ten say that they feel any compelling force to love God and to love one another. That means we're empty. So we've been talking about becoming full. And so I've been reading to you out of these same two passages. Now this is the sixth week in a row I've been reading these passages to you. We've changed it up the last couple of weeks so that you can insert your name. And we're going to do that again because I want you to see that this is personal. That this is about uh, coming into this understanding that Christ didn't just come to save you. He came to fill you. So I want you to join with me in John chapter 10, verse 10. They're going to put it on the screen. And when it says... Um, uh, I came that they, instead of saying they, I want you to insert your name out loud. All right? I know it sounds confusing when we all do it together, but it works. All right? So here we go. The thief came only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that Steve may have and enjoy life. Keep going. And have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Then I've been reading to you out of Colossians, and there's two opportunities here for you to do this. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, you don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. When Steve comes to him, that fullness comes together for Steve too. His power extends over everything. Aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't just come to save you, but to fill you? Right? we got to live at a full level. And so I've been trying to articulate to you the different things that we should be full of. Because some of y'all full of some stuff. Um, okay. All right. But, but we want to be full of these things. I said, first of all, we should be thankful. We should be the most grateful people on the planet. Okay, so, all right, so some of y'all ain't got that one yet. Uh, uh, we should be purposeful. We should know our must, what m we must be about. We've got to know our purpose. I said that we should be graceful. <laughs> okay, Any, uh, somebody, Mike asked me to quit preaching about being graceful because it seems like we have more opportunities to be graceful, right? So I told him I'm going to start preaching about being rich instead and see if it correlates. If Yeah, okay, so some of y'all, see, I knew I, see, see, I say graceful, nobody gives me nothing. I say being rich, and everybody, woohoo! Yeah. All right, so gr graceful, all right. Um, and then last, last week I said we should be prayerful. And I hope that you've been praying without ceasing. This week, I want to go further. I'm going to read to you four distinct passages, all out of the book of Matthew. Um, I want you to read with me in, as, as I'm going. I want you to follow along, and I want you to see if you see any commonality in, in these four passages. Four distinct passages where Jesus um, is addressing a specific group of people, and he says the same thing four different times. Matthew chapter 6, uh, beginning verse 28 through verse 30, it says, and so Jesus speaking says, why, so why do you worry about clothing? 
Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? All right? Matthew chapter 8. Uh, beginning in verse 18, then down to verse 23. And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave the command to depart to the other side. Luke says that he says, let's go to the other side. Then in verse 23, now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the, the boat was covered with waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, why are you feel fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and he rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm. So the men marveled saying, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Matthew chapter 14, beginning of verse 29. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and he began to sink. As he was beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you not talking about the school. Oh, you. Uh, some of y'all are slow, but you're worth waiting on. Oh, you. See, it is anointed to be an OU fan. Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? <laughs> okay, I just lost you totally. All right, come back, come back, come back. Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. They had already experienced this same kind of scenario previously. All right? Matthew chapter 16, verses 5 through 10. Now, when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. They forgot their McDonald's snack pack, all right? So, then Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, it is because we have taken no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O you of little faith, why do you reason among yourself because you've brought no bread? Listen to this. Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets that you took up? Nor the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? So on four distinct different occasions, Jesus addressing, get this, disciples. Not just some random group of people people that were following him on four distinct different occasions, he says to them almost, okay, you got to see the progression. He's kind of nice about it at first because he's talked to them about their clothes, right? And then, and then it kind of progresses. And by the time we get to Matthew chapter 16, it's like he's beginning to get annoyed. He, he, he's becoming just a little bit aggravated that his disciples still haven't caught the message. And he talks to them and he makes it very clear that he expects that his followers must be faithful. Faithful. I want you to notice and, and I want you to look at it back at these accounts just real briefly. In Matthew chapter 6, he attacks faithlessness in the daily issues of their life. He says, why are you worried about the clothes that you wear? Why are you worried about the car that you drive? Why are you worried about your house? Because if you are my follower, you should be faithful and understand that I, as your father, will take care of all that for you. So he's addressing 
the daily concerns of life. Then we fast forward and we go to Matthew chapter 8 and he attacks faithlessness in the face of a life-threatening moment. They're in a boat. They're crossing the Sea of Galilee. It's eight miles across. A tempest arises. It's like a bowl. All the wind comes through. Waves begin to overtake the boat. They're in the middle of a storm. And Jesus now addresses life-threatening moments. And he says, listen, you can even trust me and have faith in me when your boat's about to go down. When life hasn't done and gone the way that you thought it should go, you can still trust me and have faith in me. Be faithful. Then he comes back in Matthew chapter 14 and he attacks faithlessness in a moment of a big step because now Peter is risking it all and he's taking a step that nobody else was willing to take. Don't make fun of Peter. He's the only one that got out of the boat. And he steps out of the boat and he risks it all. He risks his fortune. He risks his future. He risks his job. He risks his family. He risks his reputation. He risks his relationship. I'm trying to hit where you are right now. He's taking a risk. And Jesus says, look, you should be faithful even when you're taking a huge risk. Time and time again, Jesus addresses this lack of faith. So now we come to Matthew chapter 16 and his disciples freak out because they forgot to pack their lunch. And Jesus begins to address a problem. I want you to see this. He addresses their habitual and their persistent faithlessness in light of a proven track record. Y'all missed it. We, we, we graduate all the way to this passage right here. And now on the fourth occasion, Jesus begins to throw things up in their face. Hey guys, you forgot your lunch, but don't you remember? I have a proven track record in, in light of what I've already done, in light of what you've already seen and what you've seen me. In this particular instance, they've seen him do it twice and in much more challenging situations because previously he multiplied bread and fish for 5,000 and then he multiplied bread for 4,000 and now they don't have enough lunch for 13 people. And they're freaking out. And Jesus says, look, you should be faithful because of what you've seen. So in all four accounts, I want you to notice, in these four accounts, what Jesus does is he literally covers every aspect of our life. Every aspect. And says in every aspect, in every area of your life, you should have faith. Okay, you're not getting it, so let me help you. He's saying that from the day-to-day -day stuff you worry about, you shouldn't have to worry about. He's saying in, in life-threatening moments, you don't have to be afraid. You can have faith. He's saying that in the big steps, in every moment of your life, you can have faith. He demands that we be faithful in every account. So here's my question this morning then. Are you faithful when you aren't sure where you're going to get the money to pay your rent? Are you faithful? when you don't know how you're, going to, how you're going to pay the bill? Are you faithful when life throws you a curveball and sickness invades your house or divorce invades your house or death invades your house? Are you faithful? Do you remain faithful in those moments? Do, are you faithful when you've got to make a decision about which career to, to choose, which mate to go choose, which friendship to continue? Are you faithful in those moments? Jesus says, listen, guys, you're my disciples. Listen, passion. 
you're my disciples. Jesus is looking at us as disciples and saying to us, you must be faithful. Get rid of doubt. And then what he does is he gives us some insight and he shows us this, that the number one way that the enemy causes us to, to come to this place of faithlessness, to lack faithfulness, is the fact that too many of us are forgetful. So many of us lack faith simply because we are forgetful. We have, I, I just got to tell you, I just, I just need to testify, we have seen him at work. He has a proven track record. We, I'm just going to testify. We have seen him come through. We have seen him heal. We have seen him save. We have seen him set free. We have seen him break down walls. We have seen him break in. We have seen him rescue. We have seen him provide. We have seen him be faithful. We should not be forgetful. We should be faithful because we have seen him at work. However, so, what, so often what happens is that in the heat of the moment, we fail to recall. We fail to recall. We fail to replay. We fail to review. We fail to remind ourselves what he has done. His repeat performances in our life, if we would remember them, they would produce in us this faithfulness. I just, this was the constant and the consistent issue with the disciples. In fact, interestingly enough, I just started looking back in Matthew chapter 8 where uh, Peter steps out of the boat uh, and, uh, or correction, when uh, the, the boat is being overtaken by storm. I want you to go back and, you can do this on your own, but take my word for it for now. In Matthew chapter 8, just back up and begin to read just what happens in chapter 8. Just in chapter 8 alone, they have witnessed him heal a man with leprosy, the AIDS of their day. They have witnessed him uh, touch the centurion servant that was supposed to be dead and bring him back to life. Come on now, think about that. They have, they're eyewitnesses to all this. They've seen him uh, heal Peter's mother-in-law. I'm not saying nothing. Don't read between the lines. And that was a miracle. And anyway, uh, uh, and then it says that he cast out many demons and he healed everybody. They have watched from the beginning of chapter, verse 1 in Matthew chapter 8, they have watched by, with their own eyes Jesus flex his miracle muscles. Continued proof that he can do what he says he can do. And then when they're faced with a the storm, they in the matter of hours, they have forgotten. They're forgetful, so they're faithless. And some of you have watched Jesus step in on your behalf 20 years ago, and you have forgotten what he did. And some of you watched him break into your situation 24 months ago, but because you've become busy with life, you have forgotten what he did. And some of you watched him break in two months ago and set you completely free. And you're not the same person you were, but you've forgotten. And so you're faithless. And some of you watched him break in two weeks ago and bring provision into your life when you didn't know how ends were going to meet. And now, because you've gone 14 days, 
you're not faithful. Some of you experienced him two days ago, and you've forgotten. And I need you to understand this morning that what I'm trying to convince you to do is stop for just a moment and quit looking at your daily issues and quit looking at the heart-stopping choice and take the, quit looking at the leap of faith and remember what he has already done. I'm going to make a statement to you that I wrote down that I, that, that I believe is a word from the Lord for us. I want you to listen carefully. Get this. It is at the moment, listen to this, it is at the moment that you are mindful of his goodness and his ability and his trustworthiness and his track record that we cast off doubt and we become faithful. Y'all missed it. When we become mindful of what he has done and we remember his goodness and we remember his ability and we remember his proven track record, when we become mindful, that means I have to sit around every day and remind myself that the Lord is faithful and he is good. And I need to remind myself and fill my mind with the fact that he has always come through and that he's never forsaken me and he's never turned his back on me. I need to become mindful that he's touched my body and that he's healed me and that he's set me free. And as I think on those things, I become faithful. See, we we are not faithful because we are forgetful. But there's a second level too. We are not faithful because of our lack of knowledge of his word. I didn't figure I'd get much on that one, so let me just dive in. Jesus says to his disciples, let's go to the other side. He didn't say, let's go halfway and drown. Let's go to the point that I can't handle it anymore. Let's go until it gets too rough for you. He says, let's go to the other side. That's his word. And yet his disciples struggle with faith because they fail to trust his word. Listen to me this morning. You can't be anything but faithless until you trust his word. If you are forgetful and you don't know his word, then your faith will only be established on feelings. And the problem with your faith being established on feelings is that feelings change. They fluctuate. There are a lot of days I don't feel like trusting Jesus. And I don't feel like having faith. But I know his word. And so his word produces faith in me. Listen. We become faithful when we base our belief on his track record. And we take steps based on this knowledge right here. Stay with me. I know this sounds like wordplay, but it's not. When we understand that God's word is fulfilled, y'all missed it. His word declares that his word will never be returned void and that he will always perform what his word has said he will perform, right? So that means then that his word is fulfilled. So when we remember what he has done and we marry that with what his word has promised, we become full. So what daily thing has he asked you to trust him for? Some of y'all freaking out over your rent and freaking out over your bills and freaking out about sickness and all this daily, these daily issues. What does his word say? 
See, we, we, are, we are faithless because we, we're not full of his word. If we would remember that his word says, I will supply all your needs. Let's see, okay. If we would remember that he says that I will restore to you everything that's been stolen. Then all of a sudden in light of my daily issues, I recognize that he says I will supply all your needs and I'm not as worried. And I become faithful because he's got a proven track record but also because of his word. So what life threatening, big risk moment are you faced with? Let's go back to his track record. He's always come through. But now let's marry that to his word. Because his word says this. If you're facing a life-threatening moment, why don't you remember this? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Why don't we remember this one? I will give my angels charge over you. Why don't we remember this one? What the enemy meant for harm, I can turn to good. Why don't we remember this one? But all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. Why don't we remember this one? Overwhelming victory is ours. What am I doing? I'm, I'm re reminding myself of what he's done. And I'm marrying it to the fact that his word has already declared this stuff. And I can stand on that. So, so we've been dusting off some oldies around here. Not singing them, but I've been referring them to, referring them to you. Some of y'all, y'all ain't old enough. Some of y'all just need to age just a little bit. Um, so maybe we ought to dust this one off. Because I, I can still remember. I can almost tell you the page number. We'd sing it like once every two, three weeks because we needed to hear this. It goes like this. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages, let his praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. And this is the part we like. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. It would go on and it says this. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God, I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, 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 I'm standing on the promises of God might say come on somebody would you understand that we can stand on his word see you can't stand on a foundation you have not established so how do we graduate to faithfulness very simply Romans chapter 10 verse 17 so then faith comes by hearing and here it is. This is the part we don't like. So we hear the word hearing, and we say, well, it must be by, like, i got to get enough podcasts. If I could get enough podcasts, then I would hear. That's not what it says. Faith comes by hearing. That means I, like, I, I need to t tune into Christian radio, and that will do it for me. No, that's not what it says. Faith comes by hearing. And then it tells us how we hear. Hearing comes by the word of God. Okay. And this is an easy equation that most of us flunk. Here it is. No word equals no faith. This is not complicated, y'all. No word equals no faith. That's why when you come to church... 
you need to come to church where you hear the word. However, I don't know, maybe y'all thought, I'm getting really old now. There was this old, this, this old commercial, Little Dabble, do you? Okay, some of y'all don't even know. That's all right. This is not what I'm talking about. And that's not the dab I'm talking about. This is a whole different kind of dab. All right? No, no. That is not true in word. That is not true with the word. Because some of y'all only get into the word here on Sundays. And so then, when you need faith on Wednesday, the problem is, is you're three days removed from your word. And the word is like manna. You remember the Old Testament? You had to go out and gather enough for that day. Give us this day our daily bread. I, I just noticed some things, and then I'm almost done. I'll get out of your way. I just noticed that every time the enemy attacked Jesus in the area of his faith, you know the enemy attacked Jesus in the area of his faith. He tried to cause him to question who he was. If you are. That sounds kind of, that's, that sounds kind of familiar, Genesis. If God said to you, he's always questioning our faith, challenging. Every time the enemy attacked Jesus in the area of faith, trying to get him to question who he was, Jesus always responded with the word. The enemy attacks our faith, and the biggest issue is that too many of us don't have the ability to talk back because we don't know the word. I just said something you should have caught right there. See, Jesus always responded back to the enemy, and the enemy's been questioning some of your faith, and you can't say nothing because you don't know the word enough to say, Hey, step off, devil. This is what the word says. This is what I have been promised. And so he beats the life out of you and your faithless. And if you would ever come to grips with his word, you would have something to fight with. We, we had a marriage conference yesterday, and there was a quote. I wrote it down real quick. I think it's powerful. It says, if the word does not dwell with power in us, it will not pass in power from us. I am, I am challenging you as individuals so that it will have an impact corporately that we must become faithful. How do we do that? First of all, every time somebody comes into our body and they say, I'm sick, we remind ourselves. We become mindful. Well, no big deal. We've seen Jesus deal with that. Piece of cake. What? When somebody walks in and they say, I'm devastated by death. Somebody I love dearly died unexpectedly. We go, no problem. We got this. Because we've seen Jesus step into the midst of tragedy and produce a hope in us that overwhelms our tragedy and gives us the hope that we can still live. When somebody walks in and says, I don't know how I'm going to make it, we go, wait just a second, let me fill my mind with this fact. Oh, yeah, he's always come through for me. And he'll come through for you. And then we're so bathing ourselves in the word that when the enemy begins to attack his track record, we have the word to fight with and go, uh-uh, devil. 
he's proven himself, but here's, here's, here's a little another extra kick in your pants. His word says, you don't have to call the pastor and say, what does the Bible say? Could you give me a word? The devil's really killing me this week. Can you give me a word? You'll know the word. And it becomes like a weapon. I want you to become faithful. How are we going to turn the tide of the darkness that is invading our culture? Faith. We have to be faithful. How are we going to turn the tide of sickness that is overwhelming everybody around us? We have faith. How are we going to meet the continued need of people that are constantly coming saying, we need help, we need help, we need help? Faith. In order for me to challenge you to do audacious things for the kingdom of God, you must be faithful. So I just want to challenge you this week to become mindful. In fact, I'm going to give you homework. I hate homework. But I'm going to give you some homework. This week, I want you to take a sheet of paper out. Get a big one. Like go to the store and buy 11 by 17 because you're going to need it. And it'll be hard at the beginning, but as you become mindful, it will become easier. I just want you to back up in your own history your own story, and begin to list everything, every time you saw God come through for you. Some of y'all just go ahead and buy the whole ring because God's done some stuff for you. And when I become mindful, I don't think, I'm, I don't think we're going to have any problem with you being faithful next Sunday because you're going to be mindful of what Jesus can do. And then I want you to bathe all that in, your, in the word. Get your word out. Begin to read it and understand that everything that's there is a promise to you. It's a weapon for you. It's ammunition for you. And when you marry the two, world, look out. Sickness, beware. Fear, we ain't scared of you. Because of his track record. Because of his word. Father, this morning, I pray that we would be diligent to do this exercise. I know how this goes. It's easier. We've been doing time around the altar, and it's easier if I just call us down the altar. We can pray about it and then forget about it. But today, I want to do this different, Father. I'm asking you. I'm asking you. That your people would be faithful to do their homework. I pray that there would be some folks in this body that would lose some sleep this week. Every time they try to go to bed and they haven't done what I asked them to do, I pray that you would wake them up. Bother them. Bug them. Until they take the time to become mindful start it right now I'm just going to be quiet for just a second because my mind is beginning to race back across my own history sometimes times he's rejected me 
traces back to March 2015. Laying in a hospital bed. Not sure what was going on, and he came through. Thank you, Jesus. My mind goes back to August of 2007. Father, when you told us to start a church and we didn't know if anybody would show up. Look at what the Lord has done. My mind races back. To holding a little one-year-old boy with his eyes rolled in the back of his head. Not sure he was breathing. some in this room under the sound of my voice maybe some watching over the internet that they they struggle in the area of faith they don't even think they can do this exercise they think they need to go get like a postage stamp sized piece of paper I pray that their mind would begin to be flooded with moments where angels stepped in and protected I pray that they would be reminded right now of moments in their life where the devourer was at the door instead you responded I pray that in our own life my life that my page would be flooded flooded repeat performance after repeat performance to the place that when I finish writing it all down I step back and go my Lord, I can trust you. You've always been faithful. Give us a hunger for your word. We recognize today that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by knowing your word. May we learn to stand on promises. I pray that as we begin to read the word for ourselves, we would be flooded with promise after promise promise and we would be able to stand on those Father I pray that when we come back next week next Sunday morning a group of people would walk in this building that are so mindful of your faithfulness that we can't help but believe that you can do exactly what you say you can do so we quit waiting on the pastor to pray for somebody to get healed we're so mindful of what you've done we lay hands on the sick and they become well we run into people coming in the building that are oppressed and overcome we lay hands on them and declare the mind of Christ will come into 
we will worship at a different level because as we worship, we will be worshiping you for your proven, faithful, consistent track record. We will be faithful together. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Okay, I'm going to give you a running start. All right, I'm going to give you a running start. Here it is. I want you just to lean over to two people. And I want you to become mindful just for a moment. Two people. I want you to just tell them two things that God has done for you in your past. Because this is going to get you jump started. And then Pastor Woody's going to come and get us out of here. Pastor Woody. Two things. Come on. Don't, don't look at me. Lean over. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.